Johnny, can you do Palpatine? Do you have a Palpatine? No, no, no. Yeah, I think I can. Yeah. So can you just can you just show us some animals as Palpatine? Oh, oh, like a late night show. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. We got there. So we come out of the gnarled thicket towards the heart of the Queen's Forest. You can see ahead of you a shimmering silver glow, the bark of a silver grove tree. There is a ring of these trees that that stretches on around the clearing that makes up the Queen's Glade. Here, the air is full of the thick and sweet scent of flowers. The air is warm and mild. Everything about this place offers the kindest gifts of summer. You know, it's so wild to be in here. Like, I've been been so afraid of everything about this forest, and it's... Don't tell the queen I sent this, but it's very beautiful. Unfortunately, many deadly things in our lives are pretty in their yeah, own I, way. That, that happens a lot. It <laughs> happens a lot. There's an entire archetype of femme fatale. <laughs> Hip does a gesture that I think, like, it's, it's something akin to, like, crossing yourself, um, but it's something that, like, you would recognize superstitious skyjacks doing. It's like something that they do mm-hmm. to like ward off evil or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, I think it's like something like absent that you can do. It, it might even be touching one shoulder than the other than like holding it in front of your chest. I don't know if that's too close to crossing, but like, I just like the idea of there being a gesture like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like no. I was, I was going to say like John, it would maybe know that superstition, as well, I mean, you probably yeah. like it's probably common enough that you'd mm. see it, and like you're next door to it. Yeah, um, I feel like there's maybe like <laughs> this wild two like two shot of hip and Jonnet kind of like reflexively doing the same motion oh, at yeah. the same time, <laughs> and then hip seeing Jonnet do it. And then John not being able to see Hip do it. Oh, Ugh. that's good. Yeah. I think it's touch one shoulder, touch the other, and then yeah. thump your fist on your chest twice. I don't know why or what it symbolizes. We'll figure that out uh, <laughs> as we explore our world building in the future. But we are here. We are arrived at the Glade. So you are just outside the ring of silver grove trees, which mark the boundaries of the Queen's Glade. What do you do? I think Jonnet kind of turns to the captain, the group. Okay. So we got to, we're going in there. What's the game plan? Gracious and, and, oh, we're so happy to be here. You're doing us a favor. Ask for nothing. We're like, are we, are we making threats? Are we making demands? I don't even like saying that after saying it out loud. Uh, are you taking point on this? I mean, there's only two things I really want to know is, uh, where is the rest of my crew and how can I make sure that they can get back to where they need to be safely? Those are the only two things that matter to me. Uh, yeah. Uh, where are my friends? How do we get out? That's that. Those are my big two. I mean, the only thing that I know is a thing that I've been saying the whole time, which is we cannot 
come out of here owing anything to the queen. She'll take whatever she can take, whatever she can justify taking. So we can't promise away more than we can give. That's fine. And we we should make sure that we're asking that we, that we get a path out. You know, wh- whether it's a deal or a gamble. <laughs> Forest Queen never been one to turn down a wager. It seems to run in the family. Okay. Deal or wager. <laughs> okay. It's looking like it's going to be a wager. Although, well... Depending on what they're kind of demanding, I'm willing to make a deal. I mean, I John and John it takes a second and is like, would I would I deal with the forest queen? And then I think John it kind of goes off into another world into his head where he is like more Travisy, and then he imagines what it would be like to shape shift, and then to be to find himself on a crew, and then to be like the most annoying person on that crew, and then uh, like to to drink and make deals and it's like you know what that's it's not a bad life but i don't know if it's for me and so john it comes back and then i guess kind of turns to the to the the silver trees silver grove trees Sil- silver grove trees thank you so much uh and i guess like unsure kind of like knocks on one and like mm-hmm. kind of like starts to step yeah in. you step in and it feels like even just that step allows you to so much more clearly see this place around you kind of at your feet almost forming a path there are the gentle white flowers of heart root just blooming all around here uh i i think the sky is above is blue and partly cloudy with just a gentle heat that fills this area and makes it nice and pleasant. You can see the tangle of roots and thorns that makes up the queen's throne, as well as a beautifully blooming knitted vine table that forms the queen's illimat parlor. And around there are creatures posed majestically as though they are decorations but looking at them you can tell that they're living things i just imagine like several chipmunks just kind of like gesturing us towards the table yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) is the uh, forest queen there is it just an empty space waiting for us to kind of settle in well that's the thing you kind of feel her presence take form and materialize. It is undeniable that you are beholding and in the presence of the queen and that she is a being, a a unique entity, but she is also the branches of every tree. She is also the heartbeat of every creature She is also every spore of every fungus that eats away at all the things that are dead within her domain. She is the roots. She is the branches. And her eyes are the sun. Armal mutters under his breath. Breathtaking. What has brought you into my domain? Good day forest queen unfortunately i am afraid i am unable to answer that question it was something that i thought you might have insight to ah yes of course in my desire to reclaim my son i may have swallowed some other perhaps for this you are owed my apologies I did not intend to draw you in. I merely meant to collect what is mine. Understood. Uh, Your apology is uh, accepted, but I'm afraid it extends to just more than present company. As I understand, many of us have been taken and are in peril within 
your domain. Unable to help themselves. My domain is perilous. Uh, well, uh, that is to say, um, members of our crew, uh, we, we, we don't see them here. They're not here with us. They're not here with, with us. <laughs> and he kind of like gestures like around, trying to indicate the forest mm-hmm. queen being around, uh, sort of everywhere. And, uh, we, uh, in a way that's not asking anything, um, we are taking it upon ourselves to, uh, find them. And, uh, which has led us to your, uh, your beautiful, beautiful clearing, beautiful glade. I see. Ah, yes. She bends down in... The way that it can be said that a being that possesses form but no body can be said to bend. And she inspects Oromar in Travis's body. I see we have players in the game of lumens. Yes, players that stand before me. So you are to say... That what I have is yours. But I can see that what you have is mine. An accord could be reached. That you leave with what is yours. And that I remain with what is mine. Forest Queen, with all due respect, you have a domain, but you do not own a body even one that is related to you. Unfortunately, this circumstance I find myself in was an agreed-upon deal with Travis Matago. But what Travis Matago wants to do with his body is his decision. And I don't think you ever really see Travis with an expression this serious. Whatever Travis Matago wants to do with his body is his decision, not yours. So bold. So bold. But I suppose that is how you have always been described. The captain. You are right. I do not own the body. Nor could it be said that I own the soul, but his death belongs to me, and I shall have it. And you can give that to me, Oromar Vale. There is a slow drift of the head to one side. You would kill Travis Massacre. I would see his death. Well, ah. If you give, if the uh, the captain can't can't offer up someone else's body to you, Forest Queen, even if even if you did observe the death of the body of Travis Matigo, that's that's not who's inside. Okay, that's you. It would be hollow. It would be a hollow victory for you. That's that's not what you want, right? Who are you to say what I want? Shanna Kessler. A temporary thing. You may see many great things in your future, and you can feel the wind brush at one of your, like, like just like a wisp of your hair. Mm-hmm. Push it aside so that, like, the fullness of your face can be seen. There are many great things that lie ahead, but I promise you none so greater than what you behold. I am life. I am death. I am the rays of the sun, and I may be the bite of winter's chill. I am the whole of the forest, and I cover almost all the world. Uh, You know, 
John at Kessler. There's a, 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 a an aside, and this is in stage whisper, I suppose, to ad- addressing John at or Oromar turns to. Well, from personal experience, I find if you uh, still have enough things to live for, sometimes not even death can stop you. And uh, I think there's a very genuine and quite warm smile with that. Forest Queen, I am willing to let you have what apparently is something you own, that is the death. Of Travis Matago. But there must be things resolved before this. After all, an apology is nothing without action. You have spirited away people from their places of rest, from their communities, to be cast aside within your domain. And that must be rectified. Yeah, yeah. You... And (laughs) Jotted kind of very much on lower than that stage whisper. Like, yeah, you owe us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there is the spark of light within you. What are your demands, Vale? It is simple. I would like for three things. One, for you to tell us who has been spirited away from Acheron to your domain. Two, to be reunited with my crew members, Gable, and the other half of my current self, Travis Matago, in my previous body. And third, once we are all united, for you to send all that isn't within the realm of the death that you own back to where they belong. And you offer in return the death that is promised me. Indeed. John looks at the captain kind of wide-eyed. Oromar turns again to Jonet. Don't worry. I think uh, from previous experience, when the uh, captain's council is all together, we can survive insurmountable odds. And as he's making eye contact with you, Jonet, you can see he's tearing up, and it's not quite sure whether this is Oromar in a position where he is maybe being brought to tears, or maybe an echo of Travis in the shell that he should be in, feeling something different. Jonet hears that insurmountable odds, and then kind of like looks, looking up at Travis and like, and the captain saying. Who's saying that right now? Travis Winks. <laughs> you better get the fuck out of here, Nathan. Yeah. That's so yes. good. The queen moves to take a seat upon her throne. And you can see that there is like a collection of birds that becomes the sweep of her cape. And the fluttering of her dress as she sits down upon the throne. She, like, there is a bending of light, a swirling of mist that forms the curl of her hand as she places her chin upon her fist and looks down at Oromar Vale. And I sense within you a desire even deeper than all of that. And I recognize... What a rare opportunity this must be for one such as yourself. I also recognize that there is more that I want, and perhaps more that we both can get. Well, I'm sorry, uh, Forest Queen. We're not in the business. We, we've already told you what we want, and I don't think we want anything more. Isn't that right, Captain? Crosses his arms. May I have... <laughs> Looks at the captain. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, may I have counsel with you alone, Forest Queen, for a moment? What? It is done. She oh my God. says this like with a flick of a finger. The forest grows thick and wide around the area before her throne, and Jonnet and Hip mm-hmm. are 
in a measure of the glade. Like you can feel a bit of the safety of the glade, but it is like you are suddenly miles away yeah. from where the captain was. I love that so much. <laughs> I imagine like uh, in my head, they were sitting at that table and like discussing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like Jonnet's seat just like rockets back. <laughs> <laughs> Forest Queen, I realize asking you this is going to take a toll separately, but I would like to hear, when did you awaken to becoming a luminary? Of course you would ask this question. I sense it within you. I imagine as much as the star sensed it within me when we first met. Oh, those many years ago. The spark. The spark of woman's light. Well, you requested. And I suppose I am willing to share. This I share between two beings who at one point were equals. I was once named Margaret. And I fell for a man named William. He was a creature of the forest. A thing that was once a man that was offered gifts by the forest itself. Kept safe and secure until he grew strong and fell prey to a trap from the world of man. And I mended him. I nursed him back to health, and between us, we grew a love. A love that has graced this sphere many, many times for, and many, many times after. But unlike the queens previous that had occupied my position, before my ascension, I met with a star who showed me what my fate might be and how I might begin to twist it. That a lumen is a thing of stories, a thing of things that are repeated and will be repeated till the end of time, but those things are not untouched by those that tell the stories or the players themselves. I saw how I would die as the star showed it to me, and I saw how that might be changed. And so I put myself about the business of changing it, and I found a story that approximated the same gravity, which is why I stand before you now. Hundreds upon hundreds of Margaret's and William's later, I am the queen still. A mastermind to which I can only aspire. But you do aspire, Ormar Vale. I do indeed. And you are close. It's funny. Within... The labyrinths that you set within our minds, I got to revisit faces from a period of time that I have not seen for so long. Oh, my troublesome children, they peered into your heart and they showed you what you most fear. And to be honest, Forest Queen, I am grateful. See who I have seen recently and it's well refreshing to see how she has grown into herself into her role how despite there being trouble there is always trouble in the world she is happier than she has been and to see that contrast does my heart well but also, when I look into the eyes of what Calavar was, there's just 
feelings inside me that rose to the fore again that I have not thought about in so, so long that I have not seen his eyes burn with the fire of passion and change and ideals in ages. And as it happens, I might have the chance to actually see that passion in his eyes again soon. And I don't know, maybe it's silly. But that glimpse into the past has given me such excitement for the future. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I will say this, Ormar Vale. Feeling that way started me on the path that I have arrived at. But if you wish to walk it, you must look past the past and even past the future, into eternity. No mortal eyes live there. Cycles within cycles, wheels within wheels, a story endlessly remembered and endlessly retold with endless variations. I will say it plain, Vale. I can offer you things. I might be persuaded to aid your ascension. There are those who will wish to stop you. It would be good to have allies. Oromar stares, I think, at the sky for a while. We see clouds lazily move across perpetually sunny afternoon. Maybe a butterfly flits past just out of field of vision. And he thinks. And then he leans back. He focuses his attention back down to the Forest Queen. The story you told me would have been nowhere near as exciting if you had uh, met somebody to do your masterminding for you. Hmm. It will be interesting to see what kind of thing you will be whether you will be a very clever man or exactly the sort of thing you will need to be to be a very fantastic story. An echo or the thing itself. Regardless, if you have not to offer me and I have not to offer you, the audience conversation is over. Yes, is complete. Thank you. Forest Queen, for your time. And, um, sorry if I, uh, hurt your minions' feelings. He says, thinking about how he tore the heart out of a tree not too long ago. But they did give me a delightful memory. No more than I'm sure they have wounded yours. And with that, there is a rushing and movement of branches that crashes you all back together. However, before that, I think I would like to cut over to the other part of mm-hmm. the Queen's Glade, where Jonnet and Hip are alone. <laughs> Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we're beginning to approach the end of this arc. And like I've been saying, it's a big one. And as much as I know everyone is going to be reeling from the events that will unfold, we're also really excited about what's coming next. So if you are not either subscribed to the OneShot Patreon at any level, or signed up for the Skyjack's mailing list, now is a really, really good time to do it. For the past few months, I've been working on a very special Skyjacks miniseries. It's really complicated, wildly ambitious, it stars some of your favorite performers and will bring back some of your favorite characters, it involves new art and new game design, and I cannot wait to share it with you. 
Our patrons and folks subscribed to our mailing list will be the first to see previews of this project. But it's something that will be hitting the feed after the conclusion of this arc and before we resume the mainline Skyjack storyline. So if you've been on the fence about joining the Patreon or putting your name in for the mailing list, now is the time to do it. Backing at any level will get you these previews on Patreon. And if you head over to bit.ly slash skyjackscrew, you'll be able to sign up for the mailing list. Heroes, we are also extremely close to the first live appearance that I'm going to be doing in a very, very long time. On Friday, March 3rd, I will be in Seattle, Washington for Emerald City Comic Con. I, along with the boys from the System Mastery podcast, will be hosting the RPG Game Show, an audience quiz show with prizes. That'll be starting at 2 p.m. Pacific time, and we'll be following that up with a panel signing at 3.30 p.m. Jeff, John, and I are also organizing an impromptu fan meetup at the Yard House at 1501 4th Avenue, starting around 7.30 p.m. So whether you're attending the con or not, you'll get a chance to see us. If you're, if you're headed to Emerald City or if you're in the Seattle area, please come out and see us. We would love to see you. And of course, be courteous to everyone around you and be sure to keep up to date with your vaccinations and wear a mask. As always, a huge thank you to our backers on Patreon. Without your support, we could not make this show, and we couldn't make it as dramatic and wild and beautiful as it needs to be. So if you like what you hear, please head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to support us. Signing up comes with rewards, but the big thing is it brings you the show. Now then, a quick word from our sponsors. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Cut over to the other part of the Queen's Glade, where Jonnet and Hip are alone. I, it's like it's, it's a smash cut to Jonnet, like running at camera and like throwing an elbow at like some of these tall trees and like not getting anywhere. And it's like, don't do it, whatever it is. Just don't do it. He can't hear me. And and uh, I, he like takes out his Kasari Gama, like starts at the tree and like, that is probably the worst idea. Puts that back down and then just kind of goes back to his seat, kind of like sits down like harumph and then maybe looks over at another seat and sees that the eye is also there. And then he kind of like, his his focus kind of shifts and and then he kind of like maybe in a similar way has a moment to process kind of again like the the quietness of everything right now and um hey um hank no come on man hank uh that's not that's not it um Hey, who would be named Air? Someone might be named Air. I don't know. Jonathan, I would like you to make a daunting arcane check. Uh, that's four, right? Yep, that is four purple. Okay. Wild results okay. here. Wild okay. results here. A lot of mm. failures, but also a triumph. Uh, okay, mm. so that's going to sum out to be <laughs> three failures and a triumph. Well, it's not three failures because it, I think it's two failures and a triumph because the triumph itself counts as a success. Thank you. So yeah, the thing that I was trying for was for Jonnet to be able to work out a way to perceive through his eye and that is failing, but instead something else kind of miraculous happens so the thing that we know is that in order to get the power to finish the ritual to bar the mariner from entering bujanith jonnet sacrificed his memory and knowledge of 
hip, this very close family friend, because it's the only thing that felt big enough to summon the strength that he needed to do that very critical thing and save thousands of lives. And that is what prevents him from being able to see and hear Hip. Now, the idea that I had is that Jonnet's eye is somehow, even though it is a part of Jonnet, because it is a collection of the aspect of the universe, it is somehow also separate from him. And that through that, he might be able to like come to some sort of medium where he can communicate. But that does not come to pass. Instead, it's something else. We get a triumph here, and I'm not quite sure what it is. I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still a little hung up on like how quiet it is in this space. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if in this space, it is like so, like there's prob- maybe nowhere else on Sphere where it is this still and this like, and in a way that it would like let Jonnet hear like maybe a like a low like a lower register that like or in, in a, something that like just I don't know cut through the static a little bit and like in this quiet serene space he can either hear like you know the 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 murmur of your chest when you speak which is why like you they they mic people's chests when they're trying to get like like that mm-hmm. lowness. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, if that is some kind of in. That's that's interesting. I like that. I might Jonet has recently crossed an interesting threshold. Jonet has definitively through cultural ceremony and ritual crossed from being a child into being a man. There is the potential, and we'll ask whatever you like, whether you like it, because I could see there being something about the Queen's Glade that can allow you to circumvent what has happened to Jonnet, or there could be a child made that deal, and Jonnet is a man now, which is a different thing, and that as he grows into that role, it will fade or its importance will fade. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, even to that end, like as he grows and matures, his reliance on that spell or like the deal wanes because he's just more capable. Yeah. Um, when, yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm still going to pull this, this luminary to, to see what feels like the, the fair shape of it's like this. A, uh, a level cap. Like you can't, you can't hear hip below level 35. Yeah, it might be. Okay. I drew the rake. Which is kind of about appetite and hunger and greed and whatnot, which the shape of that suggests to me that yeah, Jonnet right now has like crossed into being a man and is so much stronger than he was when he originally made that deal. I think rather than the parameters of it being eternal, because like we did have the option of like Jonnet could have just given up his memories of Hip and basically had to re-meet Hip again. Mm. But what he chose was like something so much more awful almost, which is that Jonnet had to trade ever being able to know about hip or being like able to form new memories of hip. What if it is until Jonnet is strong enough to have performed that ritual on his own, which again takes two liquid swords monks who are fully trained to perform this ritual until Jonnet can do that without needing to borrow power from the universe he is not able to like fully perceive hip but one day and perhaps you've already seen it and know it one day jonnet will be strong enough to do that and on that day he will have his memories back here's the double edged sword here's why this isn't just a oh we're going to undo all that stuff there's a very real chance 
that Hip will pass on before mm-hmm. that day, meaning that Jonnet will only be able to look back at this person in memory and maybe even look back at this reactions and have uh, of these actions, have the memory of the things that Hip said to him, but not have been able to like appreciate them in the moment. So it could be this extremely tragic thing, depending on how slow or how fast Jonnet's rise to power is. I mean, that makes that definitely like puts me in the mind state of like, John is going to reach a point where he could pull off that spell and then the action, like everything that Hip said to him today is going to become, he's going to understand it and he's going to be overwhelmed with like, oh, that's what happened. That's what Hip said. I met him again. And I don't know, that seems so sad. Damn. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I... That sounds dope. I don't know what that necessarily implies for the now. Well, well then I think the now then we can take the glade thing too, that there's something about the glade that mm-hmm. like kind of enables you to be around each other. And maybe you won't remember the things that are said here, but like for the time, for the moment, you are actually able to participate and be in conversation with this person. And then you will be able to carry those memories with you once you are strong enough to bear them. Yeah, I think like, yeah, I think there's just like a, he's sitting across the way from this chair and she's like looking, your name is Hip. (laughs) Ha ha! Yes! That's, that's it. That's my boy. That's Jonnet. That is Jonnet Kessler. Oh, come on now. I know you hear me. I know you hear me. I know. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I Stop. Your name is Hip, and I know that. And you're, you just said something to me, and I know that. And I know that I know that. So I need you to say one more thing right now. Go. You are a dummy. Shut up. Why did I know what you... What? I'm not a... I have play. I can. I could be better, but I'm not bad. What did? Look, look, Johnny. I know. I know. You think you had your good reasons for trading things away, and I should be more annoyed with you. Why'd you do it? Are you kidding? Well, okay. All right. You know what? No. Yes. Yes. I. I. I traded. I traded you away. All right. I'm. I'm not happy about that. I don't, I didn't want that. Okay, I was, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. Of what? The Mariner! What do you think I, I would, I would, I would throw it, throw you away for scraps? Because here's the thing, hip, all right? I, I know you're important to me. I know you are. And I know you are because everyone else, you can't be important to everyone else that I know, everyone else that I love, and not be important to me, all right? And and the fact that it's so hard to remember hip is is a, is a sign why you're that you're important to me, okay? And and so I wouldn't give up. I know myself. I wouldn't give up someone so important to me unless I didn't think I had an option. So I was. I was staring down the Mariner. Mariner at my front and, a, and, a, and a, a city under siege at my back. And I did... I didn't even know what I was doing. Everything is so new. Everything is so new. I've been just... I've been following... Saying... I've been doing what I said I wanted to do. And what I get for it is just overload of information all of the time. All right? Damn. Okay. 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 All right. All right. I see. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Jonnet, Jonnet, Jonnet. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. (sighs) Okay. I was hurt. I was hurt hearing and understanding what you did. But now I know why you did it. Jonnet, in life you are going to make mistakes. Everybody around you has made their own mistakes in life. 
your father, your mother, your sister, you when you were younger. Everyone makes mistakes. And some of those, some of those are big. Some of them you carry for a very, very long time. And I've been around the skies a very long time. I've seen people be weighed down by the weight of their mistakes. And I know this life is too short and too rough to not find forgiveness for the things that you've done. I want you to know that I was hurt, but I also want you to know that you are more important to me than that pain. And the things you've done, they sound like they were more important than the price that you're going to pay. You are important to me. And, and I feel like I am paying that price right now. And I, and I don't know what to do. Hip reaches across the table to grab Jonnet's hand. And here in the peace of the Queen's Glade, where the elements don't challenge you to the point that they drown out the feeling that is barely on the edge of your perception. You can feel the large and weathered hand of a rough old skyjack clasp itself around yours in a gesture of comfort. You know, as you get older, your troubles get bigger. Even the little ones feel bigger. No one, or I should say, Everyone, at some point, reaches a period where everything feels big. You know, I've done things, I've done things that I should have been old enough to do, that I should have been wise enough to navigate through, and that felt too big for me. And being someone, being someone who wants to help you, who wants to be kin to you, I'd like to think I could spare you some of that. You know, I know, I know your mama and your papa, they both want to spare you that too. I don't think you can. I don't think I would want you to. Then what I need you to know is that you can make mistakes. You can come out of the other side of mistakes. You can also make things right. That doesn't make, that doesn't... It doesn't change that making mistakes is hard. No. And I don't, and they show up out of nowhere and, and they stick with you for too long. And I don't know if, I know I can move on and I know that's what everybody does. I just, I just wish I have moved on already. I want to know who you are, Hop. Hip. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I think someday you will. And maybe I'm speaking to the version of you that'll understand that someday. Someday you will make things right. I believe that because I believe that's the thing that lives inside you. It's that, that, that willingness to do good, to do what's right. That's why you do the wrong things in the first place. I know that's why you stole your sister's map. I didn't take it. I I didn't steal it. I loaned it for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm, I kept mm -hmm, it safe. mm -hmm. Yeah, just a non-consensual loan. It was in, well. The sort of thing that pops up all the time. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know what the thing is. I stole the map. I stole the map. I stole the map, but... You're just, uh, no, hang, hang on. Mm-hmm. Hang mm-hmm. on, Horp. Oh, yeah. Because if I didn't mm-hmm. steal that map, if I didn't steal that map and go on this adventure, I wouldn't meet the Uhuru crew. And then uh, the, the, the Bougenith gets swallowed up by the Mariner. I needed to do that. I needed to do that. I, I, it, 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 I, it had to happen that way. There's the thing. Your sister, I know, was pretty upset 
but I also know that she forgave you. We were all pretty upset that you left without saying goodbye, but we forgave you. Your dad was pretty upset over not getting a letter, but I've been 15 before. I've been wrapped up in things. It's hard to write a letter. He's going to forgive you for that, too, if he hasn't already. There are going to be big things in life that you do, that you do because you're trying to do right, that are going to turn out wrong. And half of it is growing past it and making up for it, making a wrong thing, right? The other half is finding the forgiveness. You might not always get that from other people. You get it from the important ones who count, but you got to get it from yourself. Jonnet kind of looks down, looks up at the lazy cloud, says what's up to the butterfly, and then kind of, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'm going to make things right by you, Hip. I know you are. I know you are because you're, you're daddy and your mama's son. You're Jonna Kessler. And you're going to do great things. Now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like there was something that happened when I would see you. Gifts! Gifts! You brought gifts! Hip! The Johnny. map! You brought the map that I stole! You're the one to blame. This is your well, fault, Hip. No, nah, no, nah, I brought a gift for your sister. I gave you, you a feather. You, you got that feather oh, on you? I go. I got the feather. I got the feather, Hip. And then John's like, oh, no, oh, oh, the feather. And pulls out the feather. And like pulls the feather out and then touches it to the eye and then swipes his eye open. This feather, this eye, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Actually, you know what? Thank you. You say that, and Hip beholds you as a seer. Sees, like, not just you as a man anymore. Sees you kind of as a shade of a myth of what you're doing, what you will do. He has an eye as well. It pops open. Between the connection that exists between these two things, Hip sees a fragment of the vision that you see. He sees Jonnet Kessler fully grown, standing upon a ship that is his, surrounded by a fleet that is also his, about to do something great that the whole of Sphere will talk about as myth, legend, and story. So we know, no matter what future exists for Hip, whether he re-enters Jonnet's life at a point that is too late for them to speak again or not. Hip has seen the man that Jonnet will be, which, as someone who loves you, is something that he wanted from the day you were born. But also, with the opening of this eye, you see something else important. Beyond Hip, beyond the edges of this glade, far off, in the distance, above the trees, you see something that has been described to you in whispered stories. You never imagined you would see in life. You see, descending from the sky, a star rocketing towards Earth. And then, past that, at another part of the forest... Far into the forest, the Queen's Forest, which stretches across the whole of Sphere and is all forests and single forests at the same time. Deep in the dark-rooted depths of this place, there is a spark and a flame that creates heat that touches the threads of weave, which glows a brilliant red. You see the sails of the Uhuru. You know where the ship is, and you know that at least a part of the crew has gathered there and that the sails are alight. And you know this thing as the rush and crash of trees around you moves as the queen, through her own will, shifts away the protection of leaves and branches and miles that created privacy between herself and Oromar Vale. And you are together again. And you have a heading. 
Have our drinks, and you are sure you want me to keep talking about this. Okay. So jousting actually means different things in different places. These days, it's sort of a catch-all term for any combat sport that takes place in the back of giant birds. Even before the fall, when the nations were really trying to establish large and diverse areas as single places with standard cultures, no one really agreed on what a joust was. This little lord would do things differently from that little baron, and if they got together, it could be a huge fight before anyone actually saddled up to settle things with a lance. And lumens help you if more than one nation was involved, because everyone had different ideas about fighting, and all of that translated to how they designed their competitions. The Starfall made everything worse, because there was close to 100 years where everyone who was still jousting could only do it in small, close-by communities. People's ideas branched off into very specific regional rule sets, and for the most part, you never tilted against anyone who disagreed with them. When people started doing big tournaments again, there were some contestants trained in totally incompatible styles, either getting walloped because their stuff wasn't allowed, or running the show because no one thought to write a rule to tell them not to. It took a while, but eventually a bunch of big schools and clubs got together to form the Federated Jousting Clubs, which I actually really hate those people and they cause a lot of problems for athletes. That's not the point right now. And they sort of separated jousting into four broad categories. Well, five broad categories, but only four that anyone really does in major venues. I'm getting lost here. I fly the mounted joust. I do other styles too, but mounted is my specialty. And you're from around Aram, so if someone said joust, they probably meant mounted joust. Basically, it's all about charging and staying on your bird. Hence, mounted. Two opponents go up, they take a pass or two to build speed and get the crowd going, and then they tilt. Two birds just flying at each other so fast, and you've got seconds to aim, and you need to keep control and stay on target, and then BAM! Big hit, the crowd goes absolutely feral, and someone is giving everything they've got not to pop right out of the saddle. It's about going really fast and hitting really hard with everything you and your mount have got. And you get scored based on how hard you hit and in some tournaments if you dismount your opponent. It's not subtle. It's not an elegant dance or whatever, but it's really hard to do. And I love the hell out of it. And even under that definition, there are variations. Some tournaments only allowed a level tilt. Some let you dive. Sometimes you need to perch between tilts. And others you get a couple minutes of flying, repositioning, and tilting between perches. My favorite new variant is called Three Stock. You get to go up with only three lances, and that's all you've got through your whole match. So if you hit, it has to count. I'm on a hot streak. I haven't lost a title match in three years. That includes Ire Piora, the Gilded Saddle, and the Spirit Cup. Oh, Slain God, you're brutal! By this point, most people would just nod along and go, Ah, yes, the Spirit Cup. Context clues tell me that's very impressive. And now you're laughing again! Though, I suppose that means you're not just zoning out and pretending to care about what I'm saying. Which must mean you're really listening. I might be asking a lot here, but would you want to hear more? Okay, I need to use the little champion's room. My team is probably going to come over and try and say something to you. Just ignore them. They are trying to embarrass me on purpose. I will be right back. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku app. 
Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny in Briefs, or on his podcast, Bill Buds. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash The Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Who've ever been kind And once for our friends Ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest We're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky